Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. You know, we are going through a walk through the Gospels and uh, uh, according to the timeline of Jesus' ministry. And so, thank you, ma'am. And so we, we kind of skip around through the Gospels because we're following Jesus chronologically. So this has been an interesting trip. And we've come to Matthew, the latter part of chapter 7. And I want to not only greet everybody here, but all those that are with us by live stream, thank you so much for being a part of our service tonight. And for those of you faithful podcast subscribers, we are grateful for you. And I pray that uh, you continue to spread the word. We want to get this gospel out to as many people as possible. Amen. And we're glad, that, we're glad it found you. So be encouraged by this word tonight. Matthew 7, 28, and so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings, what sayings? Well, he'd been on the mountain, and he'd been preaching for quite a while, chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, known as the Sermon on the Mount. Um, we know usually just that small portion, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, and, but that's, that was just one part of a very long sermon that he he preached, but very powerful and gave lots of practical things to do in life and how to help others and how to love others and told the people, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world and those kinds of things. And, uh, but after he'd finished those things, uh, the people, it says, were astonished at his teaching. And here's why. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Interesting. I wonder what was different about what Jesus, wonder what marked them seeing that he was one who had authority when he spoke as opposed to the scribes. I mean, aren't scribes authoritative? Yes, they were to a degree, but the scribes were those who were accountable to others. And so they needed to have someone else, other religious leaders, to make sure that what they were saying was accurate. And so based on their approval, that's where they got the authority to do it. But Jesus didn't need any of their approval. He came like he knew who he was and knew who he was talking about and that he was speaking on behalf of God Almighty. And so this amazed them because he wasn't following their system. Um, the, the scribes, just for a little bit of Bible knowledge, that the, the word scribes is 120 times uh, in the Scriptures. Uh, they were formerly secretaries to the kings, and you can read about these in like the Samuels and the Kings uh, books. And um, later they were copyists and they were interpreters of the scriptures and laws of Israel. They kept all the records and were lawyers and schoolmasters in Israel. But Jesus is astonishing the people because <clears throat> he doesn't have that kind of um, background. And yet, he speaks with such authority. And it's interesting that it kind of sets up this next story. The people are recognizing that this man does not speak like ordinary man. And he doesn't speak needing the approval of man. Matthew chapter 8, let's go to the next chapter and we're going to look at verse 5. Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, remember his ministry had moved here, a centurion came to him pleading with him saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. In other words, uh, 
he's paralyzed, he can't move. Maybe he's got some kind of, uh, they called it palsy in the, in the uh, King James, but dreadfully tormented, meaning that he is in terrible pain. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Verse 8, the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word. Everybody say, only speak a word. All right, only speak a word and my servant will be healed. I love this next part. Verse 9, for I also am a man under what? Under authority. So what is he saying here? I know that you as a man under authority, because I'm a man under authority, and I know what that means. That means your words carry weight. That means your words carry power with them. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And another come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. Verse 10. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, who are those who's following him? Well, for sure his disciples, right? And probably a few stragglers too. Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you, that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Verse 12. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Verse 13. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way, and as you have believed. Everybody say, as you have believed. So let it be done for you, and his servant was healed that same hour. Now we're going to parallel this with Luke, because Luke also records this event, except quite a bit differently. We get a lot more details in Luke's account here. Remember, if you read Luke's writings, he, uh, from Luke chapter 1, you see who he's addressing, and also he wrote the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1, he is greeting a, a nobleman by the name of Theophilus, and he's telling him, I, I wanted to write a detailed account for you so that you can know all of these things that have taken place. Now, when he concluded all his sayings, and this is Luke 7, 1, now, when he concluded all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum, verse 2. And a centurion's servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. So when he heard about Jesus, who heard about Jesus? The centurion did. He sent elders of the Jews to him. See, Matthew's account looks like the centurion shows up, right? But Luke gives us a more detailed account. It was actually representatives on his behalf. All right, so these elders of the Jews came to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. Verse 4, And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom he should do this was deserving. For he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. So this is no ordinary centurion, right? This centurion definitely has a heart for the, uh, Israel and for the Jews. And then Jesus went with them. And when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him. So now he's going to send a, a next group of people. These are his friends saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Verse 7, therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you. All right, so he said, you're not worthy to come to my house, and I don't even think myself worthy to come to you, okay? I'm not worthy for you to come here, and I'm not worthy to go to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. So in this way, these two stories are alike, aren't they? What he said here about his servant. Verse 8, for I also am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. Verse 9. We're almost through this part here. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, 
I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. 10. And those who were sent, returning to the house, found the servant well who had been sick. Thank you, Father, for these next few moments at the hearing of your word and at the preaching of your word. I thank you that you grace my lips for this moment. And I thank you, Lord, that you grant to your people the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. Thank you, Father, for your word that is living and powerful. And we open up our hearts wide open that this seed, Lord, will fall upon good ground. That it will take root in our lives. And the roots will go down deep. And Lord, the fruit would be abundant from it. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Interesting. Let's go to Matthew, back to Matthew 8, verse 7. When Jesus says to the centurion, or rather to these elders that are sent on his behalf, I will come and heal him. He responds to the centurion's request. And it's not because he was a centurion, not because he was afraid, because, you know, they were under Roman oppression at that time. Jesus wasn't afraid of anybody. But because this centurion servant was a Jew, Jesus came to minister, as he told us, right, exclusively to the Jewish people, to, I'm not sent, but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, right? And so he came teaching and healing them. Uh, verse 8, then the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. I, I speculate by these words that the servant, even though Jesus hadn't said this, he might, he might have said it prior, but it isn't recorded until later on in his ministry. But just by the nature of his ministry, and I think that you could you know, deduce that this man is having nothing to do with Gentiles, and he's only going to God's people, uh, that he got to thinking about his request. I, I think that th this is why the friends went a little later. As he's sitting in the house and he's waiting, hoping that Jesus shows up, he starts thinking about that thought that, well, maybe, maybe, he's, um, maybe he shouldn't be here. I, I'm, I'm a Gentile, and uh, he's not ministering to us. I, I think I've done wrong here to request him to come to my house. And so um, let's look at verse 6 and 7 of Luke. All right, we're just going to parallel for just a moment. Yeah, Lord, do not trouble me. I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof, verse 7. Therefore, I do not even think myself worthy to come to you. So here, I think he's realizing he's on the outside of this deal. He's not a covenant people. And so he's thinking, that's a bad idea. I don't want to put him in a tough spot. You know, so based on the fact that he said he wasn't worthy to come to Jesus either, probably he understood that Jesus was sent to the Jews. All right. So now let's keep reading verse nine of Matthew. Uh, For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me and say to this one, go. And he goes and another come and he comes and to my servant, do this. And he does it. Jump down to verse 11. And I say to you, watch this. After he says, I've not seen such great faith. He says, and I say to you that many will come from east and west. Okay, he's dealing with a Gentile's request, right? And this request marvels him. And that request is, just say the word, and my servant will be healed. And Jesus marvels, I've not seen this kind of faith even amongst covenant people, especially you, Peter, James, John. And 
I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down, watch, with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Well, who's he talking about there? Let me keep going. Just to make sure that we're all on the same page. Yeah, say it again. You. Turn to somebody and tell them that's you. What just happened? I just lost. Mm-hmm. Pardon me. I got lost in my notes here. So he's talking about why I, I wonder why it's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob specifically. Because oh, next verse said that the the sons of the kingdom what will be cast into outer darkness. The sons of the kingdom are the Jews, right? So who are these, who are these many? They're going to come from the east and the west. These many coming from McKinney. Uh, name your town. Where? Crossroads, Texas. Allen. All the way from Allen? You think, you, you think people from Allen are going to be there? All right. You know at least two of you, right? Three. Four. <laughs> Who else? Princeton. Of course, Princeton. What a stately name that is. Princeton. Who else? Farmer's Branch. Irving. Yeah, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about you. Many will come, he says, and they will sit with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And there's a reason why he says they're going to sit with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There's a reason why he doesn't say they're going to sit with David. Now, that's going to be cool. I mean, I hope you get to do that, right? Moses. Why Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Mm. They are the fathers of our faith, specifically Abraham. Now, what did God promise him? Not only did he give this promise to Abraham, but he also gave it to Isaac, and he also gave it to Jacob. I will bless you exceedingly, and I, your descendants will be multiplied in the earth. All right? All three of them heard that from God. All of them had that personal promise from God that was passed down. Who are those descendants? <laughs> People of faith. People who believe. And so, I love this. And it says that, go your way as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And a servant was healed that same hour. Jesus was already going. Remember, he was already going to heal the servant. He didn't need any, any begging. He didn't need... He heard that the centurion servant was sick uh, by these elders. Now, they, they, they were saying, he deserves this because he loves Israel. He, loves, he, bu he built us a synagogue and, and he did all this. But, and I think maybe that might have been part of it, but more so... That servant is a Jew. And so that servant has a right, a covenant right. As Jesus said, healing is the children's bread. And he was talking specifically at that time, um, the children of Abraham, the natural born children of Abraham. This is so good. But now he's already going to heal the servant, but now the centurion gets to play a real vital role in this servant's healing. He's already heading there, right? The guy's going to get healed either way. But the centurion kind of interrupts how it's going to get done. All right? I love this. And Jesus goes with what he says. He didn't just go in, no, I'm already heading that way. I'll be there in a moment. He hears this and he says, I like this. I like this. I like the way this guy's talking. Because 
He shows faith in Jesus by what he's saying. He basically told him, I know who you are, and you're one who is under authority, not just anybody's authority. I know that you are one with authority from God, because I'm also a man under authority, so I know how it works. I know uh, your words then carry that power, and they carry that weight. So I understand that if you'll just say the word, your word is just as good as you being there. Your word being there is just as good as you being there. Come on, you might all just embrace that Bible for a second. Hmm? Your word being there, being sent, is just as good as you being there. And Jesus, whoa, marvels at this. And he says, he gets it and you don't. That's basically what he said. He gets it. This foreigner, this outsider gets it. But you don't. Interesting. Your word being there is just as good as you being there. Never underestimate or minimize that word of God. See it as the precious, powerful, authoritative word that it is. You need to have that thing regularly, daily in your life. Speaking Speaking it out loud, hearing it, hearing that, that authoritative word, because you're going to come into various trials and troubles. But when you have a word, you'll be able to stand against those things. And you can just, so what's the deal then? Okay, so what do we do about that now? Jesus has ascended into heaven. He's given us his word. So now, here's the thing. He said, all authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. So I'm telling you now to go. So what he has said is, you're under my authority. That means when you do what I say and you say what I say, it's like I'm saying it. Okay? So that's why it's important that you get that confession of faith. Keep that confession of hope without wavering because when you say what he says, it's just like he said it. This is powerful. All right? And, and, and I have a feeling that if you'll really awaken to that, if we all would awaken to that, our prayers would be just a tad bit bolder, Right? Just maybe a tad bit bolder when we see ourselves as he sees us. Because 1 John says, as he is, so are we in this world. So are we in this world. Because he has all authority, guess what? You have all authority in the name of Jesus that's above every name. So you can be confident that when you speak his word into a situation, that situation can change. All right? And you speak his word. So he shows his... Remember I was talking about Jesus... um, couple of services ago out of the abundance of the abundance out of the that's kind of a cool word the abundance the abundance of the word the mouth speaks in other words your mouth is telling on your faith your mouth is your mouth is telling on i'm going to get the words right here in a little bit your mouth what's in that coffee your mouth your mouth is did you put a little <laughs> Notice I went right back to it. (laughs) Your mouth is speaking on behalf of your heart. Because your heart, this is your central believing system, right? With the heart one believes unto righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So you don't have to be discouraged by your circumstances. You don't be discouraged by the trouble that you come into. Send that word into it. Speak that word into it. Speak that living word. 
Amen. And when you say it, it carries all his authority and all his power. Amen. It's just as good as him being here. Amen. You saying it is just as good as him saying it. Won't you say that? When I say his word, it's just as good as him saying his word. That, that, that makes me feel good all over. It's good news. Luke chapter 7, jump down to verse 11. This is one of those... I love that story of the centurion because that's where we find us. You know, we find us there. He, he's, he's a Gentile. He represents us. Um, and also the woman who... Uh, came begging the Lord. You know, remember she said, true Lord, but even the dogs get the crumbs from, that fall from the master's table. Another outsider who got in because she believed. All right? Faith is, is the entrance into everything that God has for you. Amen. He won't resist it. He won't resist. He won't turn, turn anybody who believes in him. As a matter of fact, the scripture says he, his eyes are roaming back and forth, to and fro across the earth. Or around the earth. It depends on if you're a flat earther or not. I don't know how you see it. But either way, his eyes cover the globe or the circle, whatever you want. His eyes cover it. And he is looking for one specific thing. Anybody know? He's looking for faith. So Jesus said, and will he really find faith? Amen. I think it's easy for him when he's, his eyes scan over McKinney. And, oh, whoa, there's a whole building full of them, right? Yeah. People of faith at one cost church. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Verse 11 of chapter 7, I love this. All right, so we see that this, this outsider was able to get in on this, um, this healing and offer it another avenue, um, and Jesus uh, went that route, even though he was already on another route. But he followed what that centurion said. But then we see something different here. Now it happened the day after that he went into a city called Nain. And many of his disciples went with him in a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out. The only son of his mother, and she was a widow. Tough, tough, tough deal there, huh? And a large crowd from the city was with her. Verse 13, and when the Lord saw her. He had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak. Why? Because Jesus is one un, a man under authority. And when he says something, it has to happen. And even, even, even death itself has to give up. Give up. Hmm? Began to speak, and he presented him to his mother. Ta-da! Then fear came upon, came upon all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen up among us, and God has visited his people. Duh. Verse 17, And this report about him went throughout all Judea and all the surrounding region. Now, this, this is at this point in Jesus' ministry. There's about to be a shift in the opposition. There's... There, uh, Maybe not so much. There's going to be the opposition is going to intensify, I should say, because miracles like this, according to the religious community, they need to get shut down real fast, and they need to dis disprove this and get rid of the evidence if possible. So 
uh, the, Gordon Lindsay, the founder of Christ for the Nations, um, wrote, uh, had lots of books, and authored many, I don't know how many books he wrote, but we use a lot of them for the curriculum at Christ for the Nations. And, uh, but one of them he wrote is called The Gathering Storm. And, and he talks about this storm that is brewing all along the way as Jesus is continuing to go about doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil and to shut down his naysayers, those who would try to trap him in his words. And he had a word, he had an answer for them every time. He stumped them when they were trying to stump him and, and, and just left them befuddled. And, and, and even when they tried to kill him sometimes, he would just pass through them. They didn't know what to do. But this storm is brewing. The storm is brewing all along the way. Think about that. The storm is brewing all along the way, and he's doing no wrong. He's doing no harm to anyone. He's doing good, and he's healing. So you understand that the tactic of the enemy is to stop the belief in the goodness of God, is to discredit the goodness of God. And that's why so much of preaching and teaching is about more our faults and our failures and our sins rather than the goodness of God that leads us to repentance, the grace of God that abounds more than our sins. Hmm? This is the emphasis of the gospel. Um, but if, you, if you're religious at all, you're not going to like it because there's no effort on your part. As Ashley said, it's just resting. It's resting in him. That's the effort. If anything, the scripture says, if you're going to labor at anything, labor to rest. <laughs> labor to rest. That's what you need to labor in, staying in him, remaining in him, content, staying in faith, believing that God is good and he can be trusted. And no matter what you're facing, even something as dire as this poor widow who is in a hopeless situation and Jesus comes and brings hope and makes the dead live. That's good news. Let's, let's bow our heads for just a moment. Whatever situation that you are in right now that is opposing you, trouble, sickness, whatever it might be. I want you to speak the word of God into that situation. Say what God has said. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So in a fear-producing situation, you speak his word. I have a gift from God, and it is a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Jesus said, and many times in fear-producing situations, he said, take courage or take heart. So right there, right there in the midst of that fear-producing situation, he offers a, a way for you to be courageous, to take courage, to be of good cheer. Right in the middle of all that. Because his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Amen. Amen. You just speak the word of God. God, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by his spirit. It's by his spirit. Amen. 
There is therefore now no condemnation. As I am in Christ, and in him there is no shame. There is no guilt. There is no condemnation. Thank you, Lord, for that. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Thank you, Lord. I will both lie down in peace and sleep for you alone, O Lord. Make me dwell in safety. Remember, as Nathan said earlier, there's a shield that surrounds you. There's a shield that surrounds you. And it is the favor of God. In other words, it, it is there working on your behalf. It's, it's going before you into your situations. Those situations that, that look very difficult, that look impossible. There's a shield about you that goes before you and makes, your, makes the way open that's, that doesn't look open. It makes your way prosperous. It's the shield of favor. It surrounds you with his favor. Thank you, Lord, for that. He sent his word and he healed you and he delivered you from your destruction. If you'll say that tonight, believe that tonight, he sent his word and healed me. I am healed. And I speak that word of healing. By his stripes, I am healed. Amen. Healing is my bread tonight because I am now a child of God. Thank you, Lord. See, the reason that you're going to see Abraham, I didn't answer that question, did I? The reason you're going to see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is because you are their inheritance. You're their inheritance. You are those descendants that he talked about. I want to read one more scripture. Can I read one more? Because I, 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 I kind of tie all this together. I forgot to go there. Romans chapter 4, uh, Matthew. Do we love our guys back here in the sound booth? Amen. And behind the camera. For the promise that he would be heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. 14. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. 15. Because the law brings about wrath. For where there is no law, there's no transgression. Just let that sink in for a second. Did it just say that? There is no law, there is no transgression. This is how God got over our sin. He took the handwriting of requirements that was against us and he took them out of the way, nailing them to his cross. So there's no law, there's no transgression. He's not imputing our sins against us. That makes me nervous and excited at the same time, right? (laughs) Wow, this this is big. Therefore, it is of what? faith that it might be according to grace okay so these two work together don't they you're not going to get into grace unless you believe right uh romans 5 says um therefore having been justified by faith you have we have peace with god through our lord jesus christ through whom also we have access by faith into this grace so faith is what gives you the access jesus is that access that door i am the door to go through into all the grace of God so that the promise watch this might be sure the only way that that promise is going to be sure to you is that when you go by faith into this grace because this is his part and when he makes the promise it's sure if you try to earn it and not believe it if you try to keep the 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 rules guess what the promise isn't sure to you and you'll never be sure that it's sure because it's going to be based on whether you did good or not But this is according to grace that it might be sure 
To who? All the seed. Not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. That's us. Who is the father of us all. Ooh, that's powerful. We are the faith of Abraham. And Galatians 3.29 says, And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This is what Jesus was talking about. To come and sit with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I look forward to that. That's going to be so cool. Father, thank you for this glorious gospel. Thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you, Lord, that you have reconciled us to yourself through Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, that tonight your people would rest well. They would rest in this truth, rest in these promises. And, Lord, that they would be inspired and encouraged to not be silent, but, Lord, to speak. Just speak the word. Send your word. Send your word into their situation. That word that is the highest authority. Living and powerful word of God. Thank you, Father God, for breakthroughs. Thank you for them living, your people living in the reality of what you say. Not what they see, but what you say. Because your word is true. And it is. It is, Lord. Life to us who find it and health to all of our flesh. I thank you, Lord, you bless your people now. And they're going out just like they've been blessed and they're coming in. Though their enemy comes at them one way, he has to flee in seven. Because, Lord, the blessing of the Lord is upon them. And that blessing cannot and will not be reversed. Thank you, Lord, that they go in the grace of God and in the peace of God. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and all of your house and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.